Hi, this is Pastor Steve Lance from Noble Assembly of God. Thank you for tuning in today. I pray that this message from God's Word will bless and enrich your life. Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to read in just a moment the first six verses is our text this morning. But uh, before, before we get into the message this morning, I wanted to sing a song that goes right along with this message. Haven't sang it in a while, but uh, I was thinking of it as I was preparing for this message um, that it just builds faith in our heart that, that God is. He wasn't a was. He is. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, yesterday, today, and forever. He is here. And he is here to meet our need. And we see that all through the Bible, that he is. Amen. Passover lamb in Leviticus, he's our high priest. Numbers, fire by night, Deuteronomy, he's Moses' voice. And Joshua, he is salvation's choice. Judges, lawgiver, and Ruth. The kinsman redeemer, first and second Samuel, our trusted prophet, kings and chronicles, he's sovereign, Ezra, true and faithful scribe, Nehemiah, he's a rebuilder, broken walls and lives, Esther, he's Mordecai's courage. In Job, the timeless Redeemer. In Psalms, He is our morning song. In Proverbs, the wisdom's cry. Ecclesiastes, the time and seasons. 
In the song of Solomon, he is the lover's dream. He is, he is, he is. Aren't you glad he is? Amen. In Isaiah, he's the prince of peace. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, lamentations, the cry for Israel. Ezekiel, he's the call from sin, and Daniel, the stranger in the fire. In Hosea, he is forever faithful, and Joel. He's the Spirit's power in Amos, the arms that carry us in Obadiah, the Lord our Savior. And Jonah, he's the great missionary in Micah, the promise of peace in Nahum. He is our strength and our shield in Habakkuk. And Zephaniah, he's pleading for revival. In Haggai, he restores a lost heritage. In Zechariah, our fountain. In Malachi, he is the son of righteousness, rising with healing in his wings. He In the book of Acts, he is fire from heaven. In Romans, he's the grace of God, the power of love. In Galatians, he is freedom from the curse of sin. Ephesians, our glorious treasure. Philippians, the servant's heart. In Colossians, he's the Godhead Trinity. In Thessalonians, our coming King. In Timothy, Titus, Philemon, he's our mediator and our faithful pastor. In Hebrews, the everlasting covenant. In James, the one who heals the sick. First and second Peter, he's our shepherd. In John and in Jude, he's a lover coming for his bride. In the revelation, he's king of kings and lord of lords. He is, he is, he of peace, the last son of God, the Lamb of God, the great I am. He's the Alpha and Omega, our God and our Savior. He's Jesus 
Christ the Lord. And when time is no more, He is. He is. Everybody say, He is. He is, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hebrews 11. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command and that we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval for, of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. Verse 6, the main verse of our text this morning, it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word today. Holy Spirit, speak to hearts this morning. You know what is on the mind and on the heart of every single person in this sanctuary. You know the battles they may be facing. You know the trials they may be in. You know what's going to happen tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next. I thank you, Lord, that we can trust you today to keep us on the right path. And we ask this morning that you would just speak to hearts today and help us to become more like you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. The words faith and trust are, biblically speaking, are pretty much the same thing. There's slight differences, but in, in the Bible and for this message this morning, I'm going to see them as synonymous. Um, because when you have faith in God, you trust God. When you have faith in someone, you trust them, that they're going to uh, be who they say they are and who, uh, you know, who, who they want to be and who you expect them to be. I found an acronym for the word trust that I uh, like, and I have entitled this sermon this morning, Trust, T period, R period, U period, S period, T period. So, sermons like I like, like that, you know. However, I will tell you, those aren't the points. There's not five points, and they don't start with those letters. If I could have thought of that, I would have, but that didn't happen. But it, the, the acronym is this, totally relying upon spiritual truth. To live our lives totally relying upon spiritual truth. I'm glad that God's word is truth. I want to tell you, you can build your life on God's word.
It will never pass away. It was the same when it was written, and it'll be the same forever and ever. God's word is reliable. And that's what faith or trust in the Lord is all about. Just as Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, probably my two favorite verses in the Old Testament, says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, help me out, and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. I tell you, that's a a powerful, powerful couple of verses about trust and about faith. And it begins with, Believing, as Hebrews eleven six declares, we must believe that God what? That God exists. We must believe that He is. He is. God told Moses, I am that I am. That's what he said his name was. Tell the tell the people I am who I am. And Jesus built upon that in the New Testament when he constantly would refer to himself as I am something. What are some of those? He said, I am the good shepherd is one of them. He said, I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the the life. I am the door. I am the resurrection and the life. And there are several places where the Lord refers to himself as something. I am what you need me to be. I am that I am. And all of these, as well as all of Scripture, tell us that we have someone, church, today that we can trust. We have someone that we can believe in. We have someone we can call out to in our times of need. We have someone who knows us and calls us by name. He even knows the number of hairs on our head. He doesn't have to count as high as he used to with me. He knows us inside and out. He knows when we lie down. He knows when we stand up. He knows the thoughts that are in our head before we even say them or speak them. We can trust him because he is trustworthy. He has the power and the presence and the knowledge and the wisdom to help us in our time of need. Look at your neighbor and say, did you know that? He does. I want you to listen to some verses in Isaiah chapter 43. I told somebody this week they were a real blessing to me, and I said, I think they're going to find their way into to Sunday's message, and, and sure enough, they did. But Isaiah chapter 43, I'm going to read several verses here, and I want you to listen to these verses, and I want you to just think about what we've already been saying, that he is, that he is trustworthy, that you can totally rely upon spiritual truth, and here's some of the spiritual truth that God wants to uh, remind you of today. Isaiah chapter 43 says, But now, O Jacob, and one thing you can do while I'm, as I'm reading, when it says, O Jacob, or it refers to Israel, you can put your name in there. It's not doing a disservice to the word of God because the same promises and verses that God gave to the Israelites through the prophet Isaiah, he's saying that to you today. So think about that like I was reading. I say, but now, O Steve, listen to the Lord who created you. O Steve, and I will will stop referring to my name, but you do this as I'm reading, and I think it'll bless you. 
The, the Lord who created you, O Israel, the one who formed you. Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I'll be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt as a ransom for your freedom. I gave Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Others were given in exchange for you. I traded their lives for yours because you are precious to me. You are honored and I love you. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will gather you and your children from east and west. I will say to the north and south, bring back my sons and daughters back to Israel from the distant corners of the earth. Bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. Bring out the people who have eyes but are blind, who have ears but are deaf. Gather the nations together. Assemble the peoples of the world. Which of their idols has ever foretold such things? Which can predict what will happen tomorrow? Where are the witnesses of such predictions? Who can verify that they spoke the truth? But you are my witnesses, O Steve, or O your name, or O Israel, says the Lord. You are my servant. You have been chosen to know me, believe in me, and understand that I alone am God. There is no other God. There has never been. There never will be. I, yes, I am the Lord, and there is no other Savior. First I predicted your rescue, then I saved you and proclaimed it to the world. No foreign God has ever done this. You are witnesses that I am the only God, says the Lord. From eternity to eternity, I am God. No one can snatch anyone out of my hand. No one can undo what I have done. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sakes, I will send an army against Babylon, forcing the Babylonians to flee in those ships that they are so proud of. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator and king. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned and their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do for I'm about to do something new. Can you say amen? See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. The wild animals in the fields will thank me, the jackals and the owls too, for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. I have made Israel for myself. And they will someday honor me before the whole world. But dear family of Jacob, you refuse to ask for my help. You have grown tired of me. And sometimes we're, we make the Lord feel that way. I, I have to be honest with you, even myself, I'm sure. You have not brought me sheep or goats for burnt offerings. You have not honored me with sacrifices, though I have not burdened and wearied you with requests for grain or offerings of frankincense. You have not brought me fragrant calamus or pleased me with fat from fat sacrifices. Instead, you have burdened me with your sins and wearied me with your faults. I, yes, I alone, will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. Let's review the situation together and you can present your case to prove for your innocence. From the very beginning, your first ancestor sinned against me. All your leaders broke my laws. That is why I have disgraced your priests. I have decreed complete destruction for Jacob and shame for Israel. First five verses of chapter 44. But now listen to me, Jacob. Listen to me, Steve. Listen to me, whatever your name is, my servant. Israel, my chosen one, the Lord who made you and helps you says, do not be afraid. 
O Jacob, my servant, O dear Israel, my chosen one, for I will pour out water to quench your thirst and to irrigate your parched fields, and I will pour about my spirit on your descendants and my blessings on your children. They will thrive like watered grass, like willows on a river bank. Some will proudly proclaim, I belong to the Lord. Others will say, I am a descendant of Jacob. Some will write the Lord's name on their hands and will take the name of Israel as their own. Now, that's a lot of verses we read, but there is a ton of truth in there about who you are and how trustworthy God is to take care of your needs. Amen? Amen. These were written to Israel because they were facing some trials. They were facing some tests. You don't need to know that God will go with you through the fire and through the flame unless you find yourself in the fire and the flame, as they did. And sometimes we find ourselves. I want to tell you, you can put your name in there as you read this. I trust that if you're going through a battle, even this week, reread those verses again, and you will get excited about that. So I want to talk this morning about this word trust. This has all been introduction, okay? We're not even into point one yet. You can quit looking at your watch. <clears throat> I got to get a drink, though. Let's look at four basic characteristics of trust. First of all, trust works really only in the dark. If you can see where you're going, if the way is clear and you've got it all figured out, you don't need to trust God. Right? I mean, I can honestly say I don't have it all figured out and I need him. How about you? Brother Ronnie, would you help me something? I'm going to pick on Ronnie Boggs this morning. He's a good guy right here. Come on up here. I hadn't figured out who I was going to pick on for this, but he's right sitting right there. You were, you were in my direct plane sight there, so. Brother Ronnie, I'm going to do a little trust test with you here. I want you to close your eyes and just take my hand here, and I'm going to lead you around. Okay, keep your eyes closed. You cannot open your eyes. No peeking. God will strike you down if you peek. All right, I want you to just follow me around. Okay, I'm, I got your hand. You're just following me, you know, Follow me around here. You doing Okay. Still got your eyes closed? Yep. Okay. All right. We're going to do a little do si -do, or whatever you call it. All right. We're, now, now, we're going to go up the steps. You're right at the step. Put your right foot up. All right. Now your left foot. Now your right foot. There you go. You're doing good. One more step. Okay. All right. You're doing good. You still got your eyes closed? Okay. You can drop hands. Now. Now, keep your eyes closed. Now, come about five steps forward. <laughs> come on. Okay, now, now, come uh, uh, two more steps. I should have practiced this. No. <laughs> okay, stop. Okay, now, bring your other foot up. Okay, now, there's a step. You're going to step down. So, step one, step down. You're going to go down some steps, Okay. <laughs> you're going to go down steps just like you went up, okay? All right, all right, there, all right. Now you're going to go down another step. If you remember, there's four of them, okay? Now you've got, you're halfway there. Uh, you come, 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 there you go. One, all right, good, good, good. Give him a hand, give him a hand. All right, all right. One more step, one more step. 
One more step. Okay. All right. Now keep following me. I'm, I'm walking behind. I'm in front of you here. Just follow my voice. Listen to my voice. I don't have your hand right now, but you're just listening to my voice. Okay. You're coming this way. Okay. Now turn around. Turn around. I'm this way. Keep going. We're going to do si again here. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Follow me. We're almost done. Follow me. I'm over here. Okay. Follow me. Now, keep going. Now, we're going to go down in between this row here. We're right behind your daughter, Kelly, right here. So keep coming. Keep coming. All right. Now, you should be able to feel the sides of the chairs. We're going to run into Darren here in a minute, but keep coming. He'll get out of the way. All right. So you got your eyes closed. Have you peeked? All right. All right. Good job. Thank you, Darren. All right. All right. Keep coming. Keep coming. Okay. Make a left turn. Okay. Make another left turn. Okay. Keep coming. Keep coming. Watch that altar. Scoot to the right a little. Or to the left a little. Left a little. Sorry. <laughs> Keep coming. All right. We've almost made it back to home base. All right. Now you can open your eyes. All right. All right, good job. Now, now, wait, 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 wait. I got, a, I got a question for you. Okay, when was the scariest part when your eyes were closed? It, was, it wasn't scary when your eyes were open, really, too much. But when your eyes were closed, when was the scariest part? Coming down the steps. Coming down the steps, of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, even though you could hear my voice and you had instructions, it was still a little scary to put your trust in me there, right? All right, all right. Give him a hand. Give him a hand. You can open your eyes. Now you're saying, what was all that about? You know what? That's the way the Lord leads us. Sometimes he's got us right by the hand, but even then, really, we don't have a physical hand. We're listening to his voice. We're hearing his word, and we've got to trust him. Sometimes it can be scary out there. That's why I'm saying I had him close his eyes because when you close your eyes, you know, that's when you've got to trust somebody. You know, and, and basically we're going through life in a sense with our eyes closed. And so we, we physically, we can't see the Lord, but we have to trust in his word and trust in the Holy Spirit and to help us to navigate through life. Well, I want to tell you, God is worth trusting. God will never leave you, will never forsake you. He'll never give you bad information. He's a better guide than I was for Ronnie. You know, I almost ran him into the altar, and I was a little worried that we didn't practice going down these steps. But we got him back safely to where, to where he was sitting. And so I want to tell you today, if you are in a dark place, don't despair. God walks the dark hills. There was an old song saying several years ago, God walks the dark hills through the valley of the shadow of death. He will bring you out of the miry clay, and he will bring you into the light of day. Can you say amen? You can trust him. So faith uh, works, trust works in the dark. And again, I'm using faith and trust kind of together today because essentially they mean the same thing in Scripture. Second point about trust is this. Trust is doing what you can do, not what you can't do. Hebrews 11, 
uh, is known as the faith chapter, and it talks about all these great legends of the faith. It talks about Moses and Abraham and Noah, and they did some great things, you know, that can, that can kind of be a little discouraging to us in a sense uh, because we're seeking to follow God like they were, but they've done some great things. I mean, it says about Enoch that Enoch walked with God, and then God took him, he never experienced death. God took him, and he walked with God, and he pleased God, and he didn't even die. He, he was one person that lived on this earth for many, many years, and then God took him to heaven directly. Now, how many of you can relate to that? It's kind of what I thought. We really can't relate to that. I mean, we, 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 one day we know that after we die, uh, if our sins are forgiven, our names in the book, we're going to go straight to heaven, right? But none of us here uh, will probably, most likely, uh, just be walking along and then suddenly, barring the rapture. Now, barring the rapture, we know the rapture is going to do that. But barring the rapture, we're not going to just be walking down the street tomorrow and, and God's going to say, I'm just going to take you to heaven and, and just transfer us up there. Um, and now... Noah. Now Noah built an ark. It took him a hundred years to build an ark. Not many of us can relate to that. I mean, that's just, I mean, that was what he accomplished. And by faith, he built an ark when it hadn't rained. And, and I can't really relate to that. Or Abraham, he went out not knowing where he was going. Now, we, we, we really haven't, none of us have probably moved our family somewhere and, and not known where we were going to move to. I mean, if I had told Carol we're going to move, and she says, where are we going? And I said, I don't know. But the truck's coming tomorrow. We've got to load it up. Well, where are we headed? I don't know. I don't think we would get very far. She would stay on Savannah Circle. I would be in the truck by myself. And so I can't really relate to that. Moses led 2 million people in the wilderness for 40 years, and I can't relate to that. And so there's a lot of these people there in Hebrews 11 that we really can't quite relate with. But be of courage because look at verse 30 and 31. It says, It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days that the walls came crashing down. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God. For she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. She was nice to a couple of guys, and it got her in the hall of faith. <laughs> now, we can do that. You know, she didn't build an ark. She didn't lead people for 40 years. But she simply hid some spies and were courteous to them and hospitable to a couple of God's servants. Well, that's something we can do. You know, we can, we can do that kind of stuff. It's little stuff. And there's others in the Bible that, that did small things that we could do that, that are not necessarily in Hebrews 11. Remember the little boy with the sack lunch? He just had a lunch. He had five loaves of bread and a two fish, and he gave it to Jesus. And, and the Lord did a marvelous, amazing miracle. Fed 5,000 men plus women and children with his lunch. Remember the widow with a little bit of oil? The prophet said, give me some oil. And she gave her the oil. She gave him the oil. Remember the Bible says... If you give a cup of what? Cold water in my name, you'll lose, you won't lose your reward. We talk about the widow that gave the two coins as Jesus was watching. There was a widow that gave two coins, and she is recounted in Scripture. Mary washing Jesus' feet. You know, uh, the, the Samaritan woman at the well, she, she just met Jesus, and she went and told everybody. All these things, that there are, in other words, there's a lot of things in Scripture 
that maybe we can't do, but you know what? God is calling us to trust Him, and we have to do the things we can do and not worry about what we can't. Okay? And I thought of this as I was mowing my yard yesterday, this little statement. I was, I was mowing my yard, and this came to me because I was thinking about my message as I was mowing. It says, if we do the little things like they are big things, God will do the big things like they are little things. I'll say that again. If we will do the little things like they are big things, God will do the big things like they are little things. If we just do what we can do to the best of our ability in whatever area of service or ministry we have on this earth and around through the church, if we will just do that like it's a big thing. And it is a big thing. Coming up here and cleaning or vacuuming or working the nursery or, or taking somebody some, uh, some uh, groceries or something, those are big things. We need to see that as a big thing. We shouldn't say, bow our head, well, I don't really do much. I just clean a bathroom once a month. Well, I'm glad you have that attitude. I'm really not. I hope you have a, an attitude that I get to clean this bathroom for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Linda, I get to vacuum the sanctuary like she does once a month for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we can talk about the flower beds. We can talk about going and seeing people in the hospital. We can talk about teaching class, doing Royal Rangers, playing the drums, whatever it is. Do it for the King of Kings. And if you will do those little things that may seem little, like they're a big thing, God will do the little things. The big things, like they're little things. I'm getting myself confused. He will take care of those things. Trusting God is doing what you can do to the best of your ability and leaving what you can't do to him. Reverend Dick Foth tells this true story. He says, World War II, a World War II true story tells of the Royal Air Force conducting saturation bombing runs over military installations in Czechoslovakia. The anti-aircraft fire was exceptionally heavy on this particular night. A number of bombers crashed in flames, and several others were severely hit, but managed to limp back to their bases in England. Upon landing, one crew discovered that a number of shells had hit the fuselage of their plane but had not exploded. They summoned the armament, armament experts who, upon removing the shells, discovered the detonating mechanism had never been installed. And from one of the dismantled shells, a piece of paper fell out. They discovered Czechoslovakian writing on it. When the translator arrived, he read aloud, this is all we can do for now. The Nazis had conscripted Czech citizens to work in their munition factories, a very dangerous place to be. In retaliation, ever so often, someone left the detonator out of the anti-aircraft shell, and one person stuffed a note into the detonator area, this is all we can do for now. <laughs> Brilliant, huh? Real trust in God is doing what he says and doing what your hand finds to do today. Those people didn't realize, they didn't have a chance, but they were trying to think, what can we do? Well, if they're going to cause us to work in their munitions plant and load these shells, we're going we're to help our brothers and sisters out on the ground. Amen. I like that story. I thought that was great. Thirdly, 
Trust comes by hearing and hearing by the what? By the word of God. We talked about this in Sunday school. Just as Romans 10, 17 says, don't say God is silent when your Bible is closed. Hello? When we open the Bible, there are more than 750,000 words breathed out by God himself for us. I think there's like 789,650 words in the Bible. Every one of them God put there for you. The root verb for the word obedience in both the Old and the New Testament is the verb to hear. To hear. For the obedience, the root verb is to hear. How many of you remember when you were a kid? Tell me if your dad ever said this or your mom. Do you hear me? I said that to my kid. Remember, Caleb? Do you hear me? Like, no, I can't hear you. You're yelling in my face, you know. But I remember my dad saying, I'd get in trouble. My, my brother and I was fighting or something or whatever. And he'd say, I'm not going to tell you boys again. That better not happen again. You're going to get a busted if you keep that fight. Do you hear me? Well, dad was giving me the benefit of the doubt that the, my disobedience was a hearing problem. It wasn't because I would disobey him, you know, purposely. And so uh, I thought that was interesting, you know. He's give, God's given us the benefit of the doubt. Even in the New Testament, he says, he that hath ears, let him hear. In other words, be obedient. Does God have to say to us, do you hear me? Because if you, I know if you heard me, you would do what I said, you know. It was a hearing problem, not an obedience problem. I want to tell you, Satan likes to cause static in our hearing process. But the more we read the Bible, the more we tune out the static, the more we tune in his voice. You ever been on your radio dial and you're trying to get it to tune in? Getting rid of that static, you know? And pretty soon that station comes in loud and clear. We need to tune in with God like that. And he wants you to hear his voice. He wants you to be listening to his voice. And the more we hear his voice in prayer, and the more we hear his voice in reading the word of God, and in our heart, the more we trust and have faith. The more trust we have. It builds faith. And finally, number four, trust dares to fail. It dares to fail. The Bible is full of people who stepped out and dared to fail. David, Gideon. I mean, David stepped out against a giant, and it looked like it was failure written all over it. But God had a different plan. Gideon faced a vast, vast army with what whittled down to just 300 men. In the eyes of the world, he was daring to fail. Caleb, the woman at the well, Esther. Esther, you know, she went before the king when she wasn't called and he had to hold out the scepter to her. You know, he was going to put her to death if she would not have found favor at that point. But I think this, I think when we get to heaven, many of us are going to realize that we probably played it a little too safe on earth. I think we're going to think, man, why didn't I step out more? Why was I so cautious? Now, there's nothing wrong with being 
cautious in a, in a sense. We need to think about that. We need to count the cost when we do something. But I think when we get to heaven, we're going to realize, why didn't I step out and do something more? I mentioned Dick Foth a while ago, and he at one time was the president of Bethany Bible College in Scotts Valley, California. And, and he's basically, these four points come from a message that I read from him. But he shared about some um, people stepping out to meet a need that turned into a major and miraculous breakthrough in several lives. And this took place as he was uh, fixing to become the president of Bethany College there in California. The school was uh, struggling at that time, and he had just taken over the helm. And, and um, this is what he says happened in that situation. So I want to read you this little excerpt of what happened when he stepped out and dared to fail, you know, and uh, in, in being obedient to God on call on his life to be the president of this financial uh, institution, this, this Bible college, it was having a lot of problems. It says the college's circumstances at that time were difficult. Enrollment was sliding and finances were needed desperately. In the preceding few years, turmoil had surrounded the campus and and, and he talks about how there was a lot of turmoil in the country in, uh, in the mid-70s, like around Watergate and so on, and all that that was happening. He says, whatever the reason, sides had been taken inside and outside the college. At the annual meeting of the denomination's churches held in the municipal auditorium in Redding, California, pastors and lay delegates gathered in April of that year. I was asked to share a few thoughts on my vision for the school that I was now the president of. I did that briefly and concluded by saying, by the way, we need $100,000 by June the 30th to make our budget work. And he says, and that's not a good way to begin a presidency. <laughs> At that moment, William Vickery, the chair of the meeting, said, does anyone wish to respond to these comments? Instantly, Robert Paget, a pastor from Santa Cruz, California, rose to his feet and said, our church would like to give $1,000 to this need. Whereupon, others across the auditorium began to respond in kind. Within 20 minutes, $32,000 had been pledged. The business meeting had to be curtailed at that time to accommodate the evening service, but the next morning, persons continued to respond. Early on, a young man walked to a microphone at the front of the auditorium and said, I've always wanted to go to Bethany, but couldn't afford it. Over the past three years, between a baby coming and a subsequent surgery, we just didn't have the money. This fall, we wanted to come again, but my wife is expecting our second child. In spite of that, I'm going to give $200. I don't have $200, but I'm going to trust I will have it by June the 30th. With that, tears streaming down his face, he returned to his seat. No sooner had he sat down than an older man way in the back of the auditorium jumped up and shouted, Son, you just got your $200 back. Or you just got your 200 bucks. Someone else said, And our church would like to take care of those baby expenses. Another person offered, If you'll enroll in Bethany this fall, we'll pay the first semester. Another said, We'll take the second semester. Still another said, We'll take the third they had that boy through his junior year in five minutes. When that happened, the place exploded. People started clapping and shouting and weeping. The meeting went from 9 a.m. to 1.30 p.m., and no one broke for lunch. 
When it was over, smaller churches had been given money. Two babies had been paid for. <laughs> the foes had been given a freezer, foodstuffs, and other things. And $152,000 had been pledged for the college. Wow. Isn't that awesome? But around 1 p.m., a young pastor went to a microphone and said, I'm not here to give more money. I've already given everything I have. I'm here to ask forgiveness for saying things about leadership. I've been angry and frustrated, and I've said things I shouldn't have. Will you forgive me? Folks on the platform were caught off guard, but recovered enough to say, of course we forgive you. Almost before that sentence was completed, people were at the microphones lining up four and five deep to ask the same thing. And the Spirit of the Lord swept across that auditorium as people were broken and contrite before God. This experience had only incidentally to do with money. It had everything to do with relationship, mutual trust, and the church being healed. After almost 30 minutes of this dramatic outpouring, a fellow sitting in the front row went to a microphone and said, Mr. Chairman, if this keeps up, we're going to be here all day. <laughs> Would it be in order, sir, to make a motion for repentance? The chair responded, well, yes, I suppose so. The inquirer said, I so move. The chair asked, is there a second? There were several. Then he said, all of you who need to repent, stand up. At which point, several hundred ministers and their wives stood up. He then banged his gavel and said, you are forgiven. And everything broke loose again, cheering, laughing, whistling, shouting. We cheered. The angels cheered. God cheered. And it was all because one man dared to fail by saying, our church will give $1,000. He could have been the only person in the whole place who stepped forward. He wasn't, but he could have been. Trust dares to fail. In conclusion this morning, there you have it. Four basic characteristics of trust. Trust works only in the dark. If you can see where you're going, you don't need to trust God. Number two, trust is doing what you can do and not what you can't. Just doing what you can do. It may seem small, it may seem insignificant, but trust is doing what you can do and letting God do what you can't. Thirdly, trust comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. As we read the Word of God. I, I, during Sunday school this morning, I glanced at my phone. Ronnie was doing such a great job. And I was reading scripture, but then something came up and I, I wanted to, where was that? Uh, oh, my photos. It said, warning, Bible usage can be habit forming. Regular reading of the Bible can cause loss of anxiety and fear and a decreased appetite for impatience and anger. Symptoms include increased love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If symptoms persist, just praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Trust comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then fourthly, trust dares to fail. I may fail. So what? If I have a goal to hit the stars and I only reach the moon, it's better than I wouldn't have went anywhere. Amen. Step out. Remember. Remember, church, he is and he rewards those who diligently seek him. He cares for you. Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord, for your word today. I thank you, God, that your promises are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. And I pray, Father God, that we would learn 
to totally rely upon spiritual truth every single day of our life. Lord, that we would put your word in our heart that we might grow and be fruitful for your kingdom. God, put a hunger in our hearts. Help us, Lord, to hunger and the thirst after righteousness. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.